Today's episode brought to you by BossPods.com. Want a podcast like a boss? We've got the inside word on how to set up a podcast that's actually worth something. We've got the industry's best to show you how. BossPods.com. Podcast like a boss. So there, there was a screening of Warriors at, uh, at Acme uh, this past Thursday, I, I believe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how it was received? It looks like a quite quite an amazing show. Yeah, people people really enjoyed it. You know, people laughed in the right spots, and you always get a bit nervous about things that you've created. And never, I, I'm never a hundred percent satisfied with anything that I do. I can always find. I always, I'm one of those people who always manages to find a flaw in, in things that I do, and I'm, I'm kind of realistic about it. It's always a, it's never finished. You know, things that you create. I never finished, and you know, being an actor too, I'm never satisfied, never happy with anything. <laughs> and I, can't, I think that's, I think that's part of what makes me, uh, that drives me actually to, not 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 so much um, to perfect anything, but it, just to to be better um, for myself. To I kind of striving for a kind of like a satisfaction with myself, and you know when I. Uh, push myself and try to you know, create the best that I can. I can create. Uh, uh, you know, I can't help but look at uh, you know some of the, some of the other some other writers and and actors, and I strive, I guess, to be those kind of storytellers. That's what I strive for, and that's one of those things that drives me. So when I see something that is completed, although I'm really happy and I'm glad that people you know laugh in the right places or you know feel the emotion. Um, in in the right place that I had hoped for, it's always you know, I feel like I've achieved a small amount of what I set out to achieve at, at the end of the day. So it was a good night. I mean, I felt a lot of that from people. I got a lot of really positive feedback. You know, it's not like a, it's not brain surgery. It's not, and I say that with, uh, you know respectfully to, to to the industry. I'm not saving lives or anything, but it's uh, I'm, I'm just trying to do something that. It makes me feel good, and if it, if if and if I can do that with you know, a, you know a group of people or a number of people and make them feel the same things that I feel or try to, I'm happy. Tony Briggs has been a consistent face on Australian television screens since the late '80s. He started his TV career on Neighbours before having roles on shows like Blue Heelers, Stingers, and recently on shows like Clever Man. With storytelling coursing through his veins, he was always destined to create his own work, with his film The Sapphires garnering tremendous acclaim both at home and abroad. His new show, The Warriors, premieres on April 12th, which is tomorrow if you're listening to this on release day, and you can see it all on the ABC. For more interviews like this, which I promise have a far less gravelly host, head to comingupnext.com.au where you can find links to subscribe to this podcast, download this podcast, and if you're feeling particularly festive around this Easter period, you might want to leave a little review and a five-star rating for this podcast. And now I will leave you, I will hand you over to myself for episode 90 of Coming Up Next as I welcome Tony Briggs to The Ramble Room. I'd love to get into the story of uh, of the Warriors with you, but before we do that, I'd love to kind of to, to step back a little bit, and you know, you mentioned 
at at the beginning about the importance of storytelling for you. And I wonder if you remember the first time that you did write or perform. Uh, you know, this is a question and a topic I, I love to discuss with all the people that I'm fortunate enough to speak with on this show. And I'd love to hear from your point of view um, if you remember when that is, when that moment was that you first did. <laughs> I do, actually. I, I um, It was primary school uh, in New South Wales. I went to primary school in New South Wales, country, country New South Wales. And we had a book review competition every year. They had um, they used to have a, this book competition where you uh, do an excerpt out of your favourite book uh, in whatever way you have to dress up as characters in your book <laughs> or, or, or something that has been translated from a book into, you know, television or film or something like that. It was pretty funny, actually. I, I decided that I wanted to do Roots with a friend of mine, <laughs> Alex, Alex Haley's Roots. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty, I, haven't, I haven't said, I haven't told this story for Never told it publicly, but it's pretty funny. I, I, you know, of course, I we got the costumes and I dressed up as a slave, and um, and had my friend, you know, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this. I had my well, hey, I did it in public. I was a I was a little boy, and I had my friend whip me across the stage once. We, when we got halfway across the stage, the act was that I. I grabbed the whip, ripped it out of his hand, threw him to his knees, and started whipping him. And he started whipping. He started whimpering across the stage, and I sort and he went off the stage. And I, I said, I don't know what I said, something crazy, <laughs> and and everybody loved it, and they cheered, and I won. <laughs> I won the prize. He didn't get anything, but I won the prize. <laughs> so that was the first thing that I tried to do, as in performance wise. I thought, you know, it's all right. I remember that quite well, actually. But in terms of a properly structured production, it was in uh, high school. I was 15. I did a production of Kiss Me, Kate, and had my own dance piece, <laughs> my, own, my own solo piece. And I loved it. <laughs> loved being centre of attention. <laughs> I don't do I don't so much now. And so, but but that that is where my real love for you know, performance and writing and theatre and all that kind of stuff. And was that something that kind of ignited then and, and ca has carried through all the way or did you kind of just have a taste of it then and then you came back to it later in life? What was that kind of journey for you? I had a taste of it then and then um, it wasn't that long after that I that I, it came back to me and then the first professional theatre show I did was in an old, an old theatre, it's no longer around, called Universal Theatre, Fitzroy, I think it's North Fitzroy in Melbourne. And um, I did, it was a production that I did with um, the late Bob Mazer and the late Justine Saunders. That was an incredible experience. And the director is no longer with us as well. And the, it was just the son of um, Ujuru Nunakal, one of our great Aboriginal poets, writers, and who also is not, no longer with us. But she was a, a massive influence. And all that that product that production was an enormous influence um, over me, my career as an actor. And uh, you know, from there, I got a, a a very good agent, somebody who really truly believed in me. And um, yeah, I got 
got a television show, television series out of that called Neighbours. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> every, every single actor in, in Australia is, I think, has gone through that show, either that or Home and Away or both. Yeah, so the rest is, um, you know, this steady journey. Um, I, I, I was also, I, I did, in those days I was, you know, I was doing a lot of different things as you do at that age. You know, I was 20, I think, and um, by that stage, trying out different things. But, you know, I was uh, a track and field athlete, so I spent a lot of time training in those days. So that was a real focus at that time. But I was sort of going, like I was doing that all of, all of the time and um, I didn't stop that till I was, my, like, I don't know, my late 20s maybe very early 30s or something, and I'd be doing, you know, the, I'd get roles amongst all that too, so I was, doing, I was working quite a bit. Do you feel like something like, because you were a 400-metre hurdles um, runner mm-hmm. and, and the kind of intensity of the training that goes with that territory, do you feel as though that in some way shaped your work ethic as a as a, a writer and a performer as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has in a, in, it's more it's more along the psychological level and being able to overcome your your fear. Uh, you know what believe me it was a fear <laughs> when you're running 400 meters and knowing you've got barriers there that you have to like it's a it's a again it's about beating yourself it really was for me because I had to Really dig deep um, every single day. Um, uh, I was training or I was competing, and it was a, it's more of a um, yeah it was a mental thing where you had to overcome the fear of giving up, I guess in a way, and it's conquering conquering. You know, it was a it was a combination of things in terms of the fear, but conquering those those um, doubts, you know, conquering the physical. Um, the physical um, stress of it all and then getting up and doing it again and doing it again and conquering the the defeats and the way to do that is by believing in yourself um, and visualising and I found, you know, over, you know, my, as the more experienced I got. And again, at the end of the day, it was just running around in circles and I could stop any time I wanted but it was, so it was, it was about recognising what I loved and whether I loved it and when, 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 the, when the love for that ceased, I, 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 I literally, literally walked away from the track and actually didn't even think twice about it. So I just didn't look back, didn't really care by that stage because my love for it had dissipated. And um, I found myself thinking a lot about doing more theatre work and acting and doing more, you know, doing a lot of stuff, just getting a lot more creative and ideas that I wanted to do. is interesting, actually. It was a really, the very last... Australian Championships that I ran in, I, I, I distinctly remember some stranger, I think I had just finished, I just had an audition about two weeks before or something and I, I don't think I got it and I was really annoyed about it for some reason. I found myself, think, on the starting line, I, I found myself thinking about that audition and that, that, you know, that was just, that, that had never happened before. I just went, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. It was literally, that's what happened. You said you grew up in country New South Wales. Whereabouts did you grow up? Uh, a place called North Richmond in New South. <clears throat> so I grew up there until I was from the age of seven till I was born in Melbourne, 
And um, from when I was seven, I went to uh, we moved to Sydney, uh, Sydney, moved out there, and um, then I went to boarding school. When I was thirteen, back in Melbourne. Was your family were, were they supportive of your kind of creative pursuits, or was you know you kind of look at oh, always, yeah, always, always supportive. Um, you know, I come from a really creative family, anyway. And my late aunt. I was a co-writer of a of a television series called Women of the Sun, and that's really where that's really where it was triggered in me to the idea of maybe writing. I, you know, a lot of people. I mean, it's different, I guess, nowadays. A lot of people, well, in my world anyway, at the time, didn't even didn't even consider what goes into the things that I was watching and doing. And then when I realised my aunt, well, found out my auntie had done this thing, and I started getting interested. So, so it's always been there, and <clears throat> it's always been around. And, you know, my mum and you know other aunties used to, you know, sing and all that kind of stuff. So, been surrounded by it. So you're kind of, uh, I suppose, there's an element of storytelling um, that you were kind of brought up with. Would that be a fair thing to say? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. It's also something that is in my culture, you know, as an Aboriginal person. And, and you know, I, 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 look, you know, I mean, in that aside, I think it's, it, I just think it's something that's, it's just part of most people anyway. Most people have a creative side and, you know, if you have somebody uh, around you that is a, an artist or a practising artist, you're inspired by that and you get encouraged to bring that out of yourself to, you know, a lot of people are, are very um, unsure about whether, you know, that whether they're good enough or something. But I, I just, I just think most people are, have got a um, creative side. Just not everybody, you know, are surrounded by others who are, are fortunate enough to be surrounded by. You know, it's it's a little bit different nowadays, though. You just everybody's a singer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> singer. Everybody's a I don't know, a celebrity or, 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 or you know, a budding actor or, or whatever. It's just different nowadays. How did you feel uh, growing up about the, I suppose, the Indigenous representation in within the uh, kind of film world or was it not something that really crossed your mind at all? I think just by nature of uh, where we're at as a, as a nation, in what we're willing to talk about, or what we're not willing to talk about, rather, I'd say. I felt compelled to talk about the things that ordinarily you never get to see or hear in relation to Aboriginal people. Because I grew up in amongst a very active political family in the 70s. I was born in 67. And so, you know, my youth was um, growing up through Aboriginal rights movement, I guess, um, the land rights movement, as it was known. So, you know, my influences and, you know, growing up around my grandmother and my aunties and my uncles, who were instrumental in um, you know, uh, many of the Aboriginal 
organisations and whatnot. They were, they were figureheads, and as, as were many other Aboriginal people outside of my family. But I grew up around that, watching it at the Aboriginal Advancement League, etc. As a young boy, you know, I was you know I was taken along to you know many of the things that were constant with the city and sometimes the country and holes and you know surrounded by people all the time talking about the advancement of Aboriginal people. So becoming an artist for me was kind of seemed like a, a natural thing because I, you know, I remember turning on the TV as a young boy in the, in the mid you know, to late 70s and, and beyond really, but, but as a young boy and I didn't take, I did, it, took, it took years for me to realise this, that the things I was drawn to as, as, as it, you know, may sound to some, but I was drawn to, you know, watching programs that that I could totally relate to, although I didn't know what I was doing, that, that I was doing at the time. Like as a young boy, you watch a cartoon or watch the other cartoons, whatever, but then, you know, you'd see things like the Cosby Show cartoon or, or you know, the Jacksons or, and, you know, it's obvious, right? I go, wow, you never see that. Or you never see that a lot. And it was these kind of um, black artists that had crossed over and, and it affected me. And then the thing that affected me the most was um, um, Walkabout, David Gopalook. And it just you know, it just blew me away. And then, you know, of course, other, other you know, um, performers, other films, regardless, but usually from America, but it was David Gopalook that really kind of took me by surprise almost. So, you know, once I started acting and, and writing, it just became, it, it was just ingrained, ingrained in me already. And, you know, I, I just, it just made sense, you know, and Women of the Sun, my aunt did that and so on and so forth. And it just, it, it was just something that happened. It's just what it is. It is what it is, you know. And now I'm, I'm in a, a situation now where, as an actor, I'm performing in projects that uh, are empowering um, Aboriginal people, and not, you know, you know, demonising us or, or making us victims, or, you know, um, it, that that to me was always about the psyche, you know, what was in the psyche in the, in the psyche of the country and how, you know, the country, you know, uh, would see us, would see Aboriginal people or people of colour. You know, that's so that they're the kind of things that they would create. You know, I mean, Boney is a prime example. Um, the you know story of a Aboriginal tracker that was played by either a, the first one was a a white New Zealander, I think, and the other one, you know, the reboot was you know one of the Dado Dado leads, Cameron Dado, I think it was. So so it's it's about um, a mindset. So, uh, so it's important to me to still write about these things, but it's entertainment. It's a business at the end of the day. And uh, you know, my thing is about trying to reach not only being, you know, telling stories that, you know, have integrity and, 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 and respect for, for all people, uh, but as an Aboriginal man, um, in particular my, my own people. And, you know, I don't always get it right, but I do I just keep trying to do that, and that's the thing I focus on. Because I think about, you know, I'm a father of three, and I think about the children, I think about the generation, and what, you know, after after us. And I think, well, you know, you think about everybody at the end of the day when you're doing it, and 
when you're writing and creating. And but I listen mostly to what what I'm feeling. Um, I, I I often follow my instincts. Always follow my instincts. Um, so so far so good. <laughs> Definitely. Was that something that was kind of uh, ingrained into you growing up, the, the, the idea of following your instincts? Is that quite a rich part of your culture or is that something that you've learned perhaps through the track and field stuff? Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps it is something that is ingrained, you know, it's just part of my fabric and, um, and on a, on a, that is part of my culture. Um, I'd never really thought about that. Like that, to be honest with you, I, it's it's a good question because I just thinking now it, it probably is you know without me really you know realizing it. But again, I you know it, it's not um, you know it's not just you know the Aboriginal culture that's privy to that or it's I just think it's a real kind of I think it's something that without you know, sounding too wanky about it I, I just think it's something that humans have got and not everybody listens to mm. whether you're a person of color or whether you're not whether you're an aboriginal whether you're a, a scottish person or, or or an english person or you know an american whatever i i the people people we we don't always listen to our instincts um but you know i think if you if you think about it i i, I wonder you know people who've been in life and death situations. I wonder whether it's the you know often it's our instincts that you know if we escape that help you get out of those moments. You just react, and that's an instinct, and it's it's something that you, you do. So in a, in a way, I, I think perhaps. Um, but I, I know I'm acutely aware. I am acutely aware of it. Um, when there's a lot of white noise going on, I often miss it. <laughs> um, I, I practice. Trying to kind of stay in tune with is that that is affecting me. Yeah, so it serves me well. So listen to your instincts. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that kind of instinct and intuition is, you know, it's one of the most powerful things that people have, and definitely as creative and artistic folk, it's it's a it's a tool that you know should be used. Um, for for creating, for telling stories, for um, as as a part mm. of the whole instrument, you know. So I, I wonder when, yeah. um, no. you know, when you when you did start working in um, in serial TV, you know, you, you mentioned that you're on Neighbours, you had you know great success with shows like Blue Healers and Stingers as well. What was that kind of? What was that? trajectory like for you going from you know being a, a country new south wales boy you know to doing track and field and and working then on these great shows and starting to create your own career you gotta remember i went to you know i went to school here in, in, oh, in the city in melbourne I keep on thinking i'm in melbourne but i'm not right now um i went to school in melbourne and so i was really you know very familiar with my hometown it's my home um so I felt comfortable, but on my first, I do distinctly remember my first day on that set. It was, you know, I'd never been in a television studio of any sort. And suddenly I was in probably the most famous one in the country at the time. 
and walked in there on the most and the highest rating television show that we'd seen that we we had in the country for sure for some time and lasted for a long time and it's still on so i was like a deer in the headlights caught in the headlights I was like what uh, what am i doing <laughs> what's going on what do i do you know where do i stand what do i say you know? but again I, you know, I did i just listened to my instincts i just felt like it was the right thing to do it's what i wanted to do and so at what point did you decide that you wanted to start producing your own work was it once you'd kind of once you had this profile that you'd created through your acting that you that you went okay now i can start producing my own work or was it something that was kind of always happening concurrently well to you know to be honest with you i i it's something that I was aware of for for a very long time as a as a as an actor as a writer. You know, I'd heard conversations over the years, you know, different shows with different people, different actors and whatnot, and directors I associated with. But I, I wasn't I wasn't really sure how to go about that. But but at the time there was no kind of focus and no and I had to I just wanted to really focus as much as I could on my acting um, for a long time and I knew I just, I had to. And I just, again, those, you know, my, my, my feeling was that it would take, you know, a, it will happen when, it, when it's meant to happen. Um, and it's not something that really pushed, you know, I explored the idea of it, but I never really pushed it. But it was the writing that was, I had to get the whole kind of story not out of well, I had to get it out of me to allow it to con- continue flowing properly and not because I had pressed for some strange reason. So I was aware of that and that was the next step that for me was that. And then I think I think it wasn't really till probably I think probably before the sapphires or, or just after the stage play or around the stage, probably just after the stage play, that I consciously decided that I want to I want to direct and produce. And um, so I kind of had a Ten or something you plan, you know how I would go about that, and I kind of put one foot in front of the other and just try to keep balance and um, and be aware at the same time. You know, I think it's really from for me what it is is about having good people around me and working with good people. You know, um, and 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 developing good good relationships on all levels as you go along. Um, through your career because you know young younger people keeping an open mind and and it's the key is to keep an open mind it's the absolute key and um you know knowing knowing how to what battles to fight and if you need to fight at all or what to walk away from and that's kind of been the progression for me and it's you know it's in, it's still and i'm still very much learning you know, I mean, this this uh, the Warriors project that um, we've we've just finished is is you know I I I've been more of a um, I feel like I've been more of an observer um, than anything um, with the with the other producing team. It's the first, really, the first time I've been hands on um, as such, and it's been really interesting, fantastic really fantastic and and it gets me excited because I, I, I can see potential in other projects and how it would 
you know, shape and work with people and, and help to shape those projects. It's not something where I kind of have a progression where I do a project and I go, okay, well, I've done this now, move on to this and then this and this. I just sort of, you know, like I was saying, put one foot in front of the other, follow a path, tried to stay as steady as I could along that path and um, work with who I could at the time along the way and, and learn from as many people as I could, when I could. Um, I, I, it was, it's, not, it's not a matter of me necessarily picking and choosing. It's just that I, I want to work with people who are like-minded, people who respect me and I respect and and and, and just, you know, respect people. So it's just one of those processes for me that didn't necessarily have any linear plan, you know, in terms of the thought process. I just did what I, I could do and what I had to do because I started out as an actor and you, you know how to, you know, you know how to live off the smell of an oily rag and you've you got to do as much as you can and when you can. And that's sort of, I've kind of adopted that and I'm still doing that in order to achieve the, the big goal. And I, and I do have a, I, there is a big picture at the end of it. Um, not a, well, I don't know if it's, that's, that's kind of like another beginning, I, I guess. But, you know, I, I think in my mind, I, I've, I have, a, I have a fairly, have a fairly clear idea of what I want to achieve, and then from that point, move to the next thing. It is a kind of you know, evolving process, isn't it? It's not really like there's not really a, a tangible end point. No way, because you you know this industry is changing on a daily basis, you know, minute by minute, really, <laughs> and and you, you can't be um, stuck in your ways. You can't. You have to be fluid. You, in your thought process, you have to be, you know, fluid in your ability to be able to um, move uh, sideways and, you know, up and down, you know, all different ways, you know. You have to because it's you don't know what, what's going to be thrown. You know, there might be some big announcement tomorrow morning, you know, or tomorrow night um, that, that changes the course of the film industry and well, storytelling, you know. So you mentioned uh, just before about the sapphires and that that was kind of quite a pivotal time for you. It was first, it was a stage play that you made. It was about 2003. Yeah. And then uh, I guess it was about eight or nine years later that it was then adapted to film. Mm. I'd love to hear the, the, the story of, of that of that project and that coming to life because it's something that was very close to your heart and, you know, the kind of through line of this conversation, I suppose, has been about storytelling and and um, and, sure. and and that sort of thing. Um, and it's, mm. it's such a such a wonderful, uh, I suppose, story behind the, the whole project. Yeah, so the Sapphires was a combination of, you know, very, you know various conversations I've, over a period of time I had with my mother about her life. When she was young, and it just fast. I don't even know how it all started those conversations. But one day, I, you know, she just mentioned it, and then I realised she was talking about that period in her life a lot. And um, and it occurred to me that there's something she was she just needed to talk about. So anyway, I started taking notes, and then you know one thing led to another, and I had pages of notes and. And it just, it just sort of, it, it, the stars were aligned, I guess, so, you know, because I'd just come off the back of a stage play 
that was about the stolen generation and you know pretty heavy topic and I was interested in you know seeing what 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 other you know kind of things are out there or, or light-hearted and you know entertainment type of things are out there but you know from our from my community and I mean there, although there are lots there's nothing contemporary and there's nothing in the main stage and there's a whole lot of reasons what happened and you know, I bumped into a friend who at the time was with the MTC and and it just sort of happened from there. And and then, you know, it became the success that I knew it was fun. I knew I had a, a good play, but I know I, I, I initially was going to write it as a, as a feature anyway. So that's how I started working on it, with an idea of hopefully writing a film. And then it turned into a play and then got picked up and um, we produced it into a film. Took about six or six years to, to to actually get it up, and and then the audition process started, and they just threw the net all over the country and tried to find new talent. And we ended up with um, Miranda Tapsell, and uh, she'd seen the stage play um, at Belvoir, and she was like, it, it changed her life, quite literally changed her life, because she actually came out and said to I think her mother. That, um, she was with at the time. That's what she wants to do. She, oh, wants, wow. to, she wants to be an actor. She wants to be. She wants to do the sapphires. She. So she says something like that. Oh, uh, you know, now she's a household name, Logie winner, and darling TV, and all that kind of stuff. And, and Shari Sevens, who's she's doing incredible stuff with the Sydney Theatre Company and doing a lot of theatre work, and she's doing you know a few television shows and films and stuff as well since then. So, and you know. It, it's just it's just been a real positive positive thing for most of us. Um, I say most of us because I haven't spoken to everybody. <laughs> I don't want to make assumptions um, involved. Um, look, it's been a great, you know, definitely been something that's been a positive in my life and my professional career. So the 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 film um, screened at Cannes on a Saturday night and mm. was then picked up, you know, by the Weinstein. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the Weinsteins. It's such an incredible story. What was that experience like for you? Oh, it was surreal. It was it was actually picked up before by by the Weinsteins. As far as I understand, it was picked up before, before not not just before that. Uh, I actually I got a phone call from the director from Wayne one day just before that and he said, Um, it's not official and it's not uh you know, it definitely isn't been publicized, so um just keep it Keep it to yourself, but I've, I've heard a rumor that um, the Weinstein's are interested in in this, and uh, and um, he said, "Stay tuned." He said, "I'm not sure what's what's happening, so just uh, just wait until you hear." And then next thing you know, I got to yeah. Then the producers officially told me, and Wayne, and uh, it just happened like that. It was really, really, <laughs> really surreal. Very surreal, actually. And um, you know, got a lot of support from you know Film Victoria, and you know, they were they were really fantastic about it too. And it was it was, it was surreal. I, I, I you know standing there next to Harvey Weinstein, you know, <laughs> in Cannes at the Cannes Film Festival was the last thing I had in my mind at any point during my career. <laughs> Totally, totally the last thing. Now, I don't think it's uh, constantly on my mind, any of that, but um, 
I certainly do believe now that actually anything is possible. So just keep going and keep doing it, you know. I really do because, you know, it's, you, you know, like I said earlier, you just keep doing what you love doing. Telling stories is what I love doing. doing being a part of this industry is what I love doing. It's fun. It's good fun. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Find something you love and just do it. <laughs> So being over there and walking on the red carpet and they played the, you know, soundtrack, <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Now, I, I remember sitting in the, in, the, in the audience next to Keith Thompson. We were sitting together and when the film finished, there was this immediate applause and I kind of got the giggles. I looked at Keith and started giggling. I was like, this is <laughs> you know, I just thought it was, I, I just didn't expect it, you know. And um, people got to their feet and all the girls were like shocked. They were in tears. They were shocked. They couldn't believe the response. And I was, <laughs> and I was walking down afterwards. I remember when we walked up there, actually walked up the steps. Chris O'Dowd started dancing and got, he got told off, told not to dance. <laughs> Now's not the time to dance. And Chris is like, and everyone's like, ooh, it's pretty, you got, really, pretty, you got in big trouble, actually. Yeah. It was kind of funny. It's very funny. But, you know, anything Chris does is funny. <laughs> He's funny. Anyway, we came out and then it was told again. As we came out after that response, the same person leaned over and said, now you can dance. <laughs> and then he danced out. <laughs> they were dancing. It's pretty funny. And then I was walking out and I just happened to be walking behind Harvey Weinstein. And I said to him, I said, uh, were they for real in there? Was that genuine? I, could, I still couldn't believe it. I was like, was that real? Was that genuine? He goes, are you kidding me? That's the greatest response in Khan history. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, I thought, am I, in, am I in a movie? What is this? What's going on? This is, you know. I just thought that was the funniest response. That was the only thing he said to me the whole weekend. <coughs> it, was, it was better than nothing. Quite an amazing uh, experience and achievement. Uh, you know, it's no kind yeah. of, it's no easy yeah. feat getting your film up off the ground and to kind of have the life, have a life like that for it is um, is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I've done a couple of films as an actor and, and you know, been sort of in line for a, in the past, you know, over the years for films and depended on funding and stuff like that. Still happening today, and, and the great scripts or great stories, and you just go, you know, how does this film not get up? It's incredible. So I know how hard it is, and I know how close we were to becoming another statistic as well, and that sort of almost could have been pile. But I'm grateful that we weren't. And I suppose doing uh, doing projects like that and the success that comes with that allows you then a little bit more freedom and a little bit more clout to do future projects. And I'm going to do a great segue here like The Warriors, um, which is yes. premiering uh, on the 12th of April on ABC. And I suppose I, I, I don't really know too much about uh, the, the backstory to The Warriors. Um, so would you be able to tell me just a little bit about the backstory to that project? It's a story of four um, AFL footballers 
we follow follow these these guys. It's essentially it's about two two of them, two young two young lads who get drafted, and one of them's the number one draft pick. And so we follow their journeys and um, throughout the series and their relationship that grows stronger as we move move along as each episode. And it's eight half hour episodes. You know, it was a it was something that was conceived by myself and Robert Connolly, but it really started taking on a life of its own once the ABC got on board and Sally Riley, who was then the head of the Indigenous um, um, branch there, she she said, uh, why don't you consider, have you considered making it a story about Aussie rules? Because it was, initially it was a story about you know, various sports and sports people and it was more of a drama. And Rob, Rob Connolly and I, of course, were, it's sort of what we sort of had mostly focused on now careers especially especially rob <laughs> um and uh you know we weren't particularly known as comedians so we took it on and once once we started reshaping it and you know went back to the drawing board with um john bell and tracy rigney and, and justin monjo we reshaped it into something that was you know it's very different to well uh, very different in many in many ways what i intended it to be although it was always about sport and and uh, it was sort of rough, loosely kind of based on my experiences. Um, the drama would would have, would would have been more, <laughs> a lot closer to some of the things that I experienced than what this is. Um, but it, it, funny thing is, is I I wanted to do a particular story on Aussie rules, which I won't name, <laughs> and I'll keep that under my hat. Um, and 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 one about NRL as well prior to this but this was kind of something i was just it's so the whole idea of it becoming this thing was like yes yes okay let's just go for it let's just do it and again it was about it genuinely was for me at the time in the moment me thinking and listening to my instincts really what because and knowing what battles to pick because you know it can become a bit kind of precious if you want wanted to or you can just go with the flow and get a project up that's what i did so people are really, you know, from the response that we got the other night um, at the screening at the ACMI was, was really positive. Again, you know, it's, it all remains to be seen what the general public think, but, you know, I'm of the opinion that these things are not easy and um, you know, for anybody to get anything up, you know, anyone to get on, get on a stage as an actor in front of one person um, or 500 people is a feat. Um, I know because I've done these things and they're not easy and and, and it's uh, um, it's nerve-wracking and it's again it goes back to the beginning of the conversation we had for me personally it's a very personal thing doing things like this and being able to get these types of projects up or being a part of a cast as an actor is, is for me is a is a very um, big deal personally so Whatever way it turns out, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve and I'm just focusing now on <clears throat> on the next thing. So I suppose something that uh, we we spoke about on that sort of topic was this idea of the achievement and that being a kind of evolving process. What, what What's the bigger picture for you uh, in, in the, I suppose, the grander scheme of your career and your life? Um, the big picture for me is to be able to be doing what I'm doing 20 years from now and feeling the same way about what I'm doing. And um, that is 
you know, enjoying it and and being excited by it. You know, if I can main if I can maintain that that level for the next five years, for the next ten years um, of enjoyment, then I know that I'm I'm truly doing what I love doing, and and uh, whatever the choices I made are the choices that I make at the time, and that's that's that 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 meaning that that I'm happy with the direction I'm going. I don't have to you know, double guess anything, you know, wonder what could have been. Again, it's a really personal, very personal thing for me, but I'm, I'm staying focused on, on that. And hopefully I'm able to create things along the way that other people love and that, and other people are f- affected in a positive way along, along the way, whether they like footy or they hate footy, whether they, you know, like a a cheesy television show or a cheesy film or, or a you know a, a, a intense drama or not, whatever it is, um, as long as one or two people like it and I'm one of them, then I'm happy. <laughs> what what advice would you give to uh, to someone who was say you know at the start of their career as a performer or a producer or a writer? Um, who who were looking to kind of create a career for themselves that was deeply personal, but also was um, was uh, wanting to create, you know, have a prolific um, output mm. with what they did. The only thing I can really say is to keep going and keep doing it, and just be really conscious of what it is you're feeling as you go along the way on a daily basis. You know, I've had my days where I'm like, I, I, that's I'm, I just can't, I can't at all and and that actually that was the latest was very recent i was like you know fuck this i'm over it you know there 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 you know there's some people you come across and, and then i thought hang on those people are not even in the industry <laughs> i just you know and and it doesn't matter you know so i kind of recessed all that and that happens as an actor all the time um, but I think at the end of the day, it is about being really conscious and really aware of what it is that you're doing, whether you really genuinely love doing it or not, um, if you have those kind of questions. And I do. I would imagine that it doesn't matter what profession you're in. You, you're going to have those, those days somewhere along the line. So I would say um, stay focused and, and, and move forward. Look, look to the future. You know, look, on, look ahead to the future, and, but be present. Mm. Well, Tony, thank you so much for, uh, for, for jumping on this call and, and having a chat with me and, and, um, and sharing your story. I, um, I end every conversation with one question, uh, the same question every time. The question is, what makes you silly? <laughs> my uh, four-year-old and my 10-year-old girls and... Um, on occasion, my 12-year-old boy. They make me silly, my children. <laughs> they, they drive me silly. They Is drive that the same silly. question? <laughs> what drives you silly? What makes you silly? They drive me silly and then it makes me really silly. <laughs> how, how, does that, uh, how does that manifest itself? Um, various ways, actually. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, Is that the quintessential sort of bad dad joke? You, you fall into it and you think... You know, I'm never going to be like that. <laughs> I'm like that, <laughs> and um, it makes me laugh. I get a kick out of it. <laughs> never thought I'd ever hear myself say that, but I have, and, I, and it's true. 
So, you know, it just, it just makes me, you know, playing silly little games, reading, you know, reading to them, just, just wrestling or, or, you know, having funny conversations and, you know, doing funny, you know, doing your funny things on your phone when you're taking photos and things like that. They, they keep, it keeps me, it keeps me really light and keeps me happy and keeps me, definitely keeps me grounded. So that silliness is, it's, it's, it helps my creativity too. It's pretty important to, uh, to sprinkle all that silliness throughout your creativity, isn't it? Not to take things too yeah. seriously. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's the key, I'd say. Thank you so much, Tony. Thanks. Thanks, Alistair.